0: We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land in which we record this podcast today, the Arakwal people of the Bundjalung Nation, and pay our respects to Elders past and present. Hello, Yummy Mummies. Welcome
1: to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce.
0: This podcast is targeted at mums, mums mums-to-be and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported and more understood after every listen.
1: Now we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here Here we we go. go. Well, 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 the time has come, everyone, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we are finally recording Sophie's finally and Pearl's birth story. <laughs> She's a month old. What do you mean finally? <laughs> now, we thought we would just do a little brief recap on your previous births mm. for those that are new listeners mm. that don't know anything about anything. So we'll just get straight into that, make it real brief because we do have an episode that is way longer yeah, about your birth? Yeah, it's called births?
0: something like Sophie's Two Rapid Births or something. So there's, they just just, shot out. there's just spoiler alert about the last two. But um, yeah, I'll get started with just some dot points about those births because if you want in-depth, you can go back to them. And I guess I'll probably refer to things I'd learnt from those births in this one. But can I start by saying I am so nervous. Why? I don't know. I'm scared I'm going to like forget something major or it was just such a different birth to my other two, you know, spoiler alert, Goldie's birth was an hour and a half. There's not too much you can forget, you know, (laughs) like things basically progressed by the 15 minutes, whereas this is a bit different, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm nervous. I wrote down some dot points last night actually, and I sent them through to my Absolutely amazing midwife that we had for the birth. And I'll obviously get into her in the birth story. But I sent her through the dot points and I was like, is this kind of what happened? Or do I have some like skewed view of how the birth went? And I guess your birth story is what you remember and what you make of it anyway. So Absolutely. it doesn't really matter what anyone else in the room thought. But she's like, no, 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 that is the general gist of what happened. Um, so I've got them here in case baby brain fully takes over. And just so you know, no one else really knows the birth I totally story <laughs> so
1: you can make up some crazy ass like, story and oh my be like, gosh Whoa. she was out within
0: 30 minutes and I had an orgasmic water birth the end and no one <laughs> would know, except for Nick but out. he's not gonna listen he's like I don't need to go through your birth again hell no, hell no. <laughs> so anyway we'll go back to Poppy so Poppy was born in February of 2018 she was I guess my second pregnancy because I'd had a miscarriage before her that had happened at about eight weeks. But yeah, she was my first birth. I had had a really difficult pregnancy with her because it was obviously the first time I'd experienced hyperemesis it just was, I guess it wasn't completely unexpected. I'd always been a spewer all my life. And I remember I remember my parents and my dad being an obstetrician was like, oh God, just you wait till you're pregnant, you're going to be a spewer. But I've always had like car sickness. I had to trial multiple pills because they made me vomit. Like I've always been a hungover spewer. So I guess it wasn't a complete surprise, but it is a surprise how crippling hyperemesis mm. can be. And then at about 36 weeks with Poppy, I developed Pups, which is this rash that for me started from my belly button and moved its way outwards and is the most intensely itchy, fucked up thing I've potentially ever experienced I thought nausea and vomiting was the worst symptom you could ever have until this itch took over and I was 36 weeks pregnant as I said she was born in February so where I live was so hot I was big when I was pregnant with Poppy. Like we all thought she was going to come out as this absolute chonker because I carried quite large with her. So, you know, you're already feeling super sexy and then you have this rash that is taking over going from your belly button to under your tits down to basically your vagina and it's so, so itchy. So, yeah, it started when I was like 36 weeks and I think by the time I was like 37 weeks I was basically in my obstetrician's office begging to be induced and he's like, let's just get you to 38 weeks and then we'll induce you then. And I was like, yes, please. I had all these things going through my mind because I'd had, I'd done a calm birthing course, which I really recommend. I loved it. It got Nick really into the birth and into what he could do in the birth. And I definitely don't regret ever doing it. I loved it. But there is a lot of chat about cascade of intervention. And so I was really worried that once I had was chose to get induced, like all this breath work I'd practiced, all this, you know, manifesting, all these playlists I'd listened to would just go out the window. Cause I was like, oh, once I get induced, not that there's anything wrong with these things, but I was like, it'll mean that I have to get an epidural and it'll mean I'll definitely get an instrumental or definitely end up having a Caesar or whatever. And I just kind of like spiraled in my head, whereas I should have just been in my head being like, that's one decision you've made and you have to make that decision for your mental health because you cannot go on and let's just see what happens from there. So anyway, that happened. I made the decision to get induced at 38 weeks with her. I went into the hospital that I had all three bubs at 38 weeks in the afternoon and they gave me prostin gel, which is a gel that they put up onto your cervix to ripen the cervix and get it ready. And another thing was that with poppy, my cervix had done like nothing like it it did not show any signs of being about to go into labor at all. So they gave me that at four pm and then they gave me that at ten pm. and some people, the prostin just gets them into labor as it is, or like me, I slept soundly <laughs> all night. I'd actually been given some a steroid injection, which normally you wouldn't have to give it 38 weeks because it can be given if you're going into labour prematurely to help mature the bub's lungs. And I'm not quite sure why I got it when I was already 38 weeks pregnant. Like you're due, you can assume that you'd be fine. But actually getting the steroid injection really helped with my itch. Oh. So, it was the first good night's sleep that I had had in such a long time because actually, the night before I went into labor, I didn't have any itch. So, it was great. So, anyway, I woke up the next morning at about 7 a.m., they broke my waters. In the morning, they were like, oh, the gel still hasn't done like a whole lot, but they were still able to break my waters. For those that don't know, they just kind of like go up inside you. And I think don't hold me to this, don't use this as medical reference, but I'm pretty sure they use like a little hook or something
1: to break your
0: waters. That's exactly um, what they do. But because the prosten had done nothing to my cervix, there was not much chance that then just breaking my waters was going to put me into full-blown labour. So then they started the Syntocin infusion, which is an inf- like, it's like a fake oxytocin. So when you're in labour, your body produces oxytocin but this is like a faux oxytocin that puts you into labor and things kicked off straight away I was able to use my breath work all my manifesting everything even though I was induced it was definitely intense you know everyone was like induction is so much more painful than natural birth but I had nothing to compare that to So I just went with it. Her labor ended up being about six hours, so pretty fast for a first labor. And I remember getting checked after about five and a half hours and they checked me and they were like, you're five centimeters dilated. And I was like, holy shit, like I've been going for five hours. I'm only halfway. That means I've got five hours to go. I can't keep going on like this. Like I literally I cannot keep going for another five hours at this intensity. And I remember Nick going, oh, babe, maybe. And and I said, oh, I want an epidural. Can you please call the anaesthetist to come and give me an epidural? Maybe I didn't say please and maybe I didn't (laughs) say it quite that calmly. And anyway, so Nick turned to me and he goes, maybe you're just wanting an epidural because you're transitioning. And I turned to him and I was like, I'm not fucking transitioning. They just told me I'm five centimetres. Like I'm not transitioning. The... Midwife literally walks out of the room to call the anaesthetist to organise the epidural and as she steps out of the room, I get this overwhelming urge to push and Nick was like, Oh, what was that? Like, because you know how your sound, like I went from like breathing through the contractions to all of a sudden basically mooing. I like to take on a mooing Mm, sound. Can you give us an Um, example? No, I'm sure if I upload a a reel there will be some mooing in it that you'll all be able to enjoy. Funny story, Goldie the other day was watching the end of – Pearl's birth because Nick just set up like a, a phone in the corner to film it and she's obsessed with it. Like she loves watching her own one. She loves watching Pearl's one. And we were in the pool and she had like a floaty vest on and she- put Who did? One- Goldie. Oh, okay. Not yep. Pearl. <laughs> she put one of her Barbies up her floaty vest and lay back on the step of the pool and starts going, Ooh, ooh, and pulling the Vavi out of her vest and like laughing at me and I was like you little bitch <laughs> I was like are you being me and she's like yes this is my three-year-old I was like excuse me what my pelvic floor has been through for you children and you just make fun of me anyway so the midwife walks out of the room I start mowing and Nick said all of a sudden like more fluid started kind of coming out of me. And so he hit the button but didn't realize he hit the like <laughs> emergency response button. And he was like it was good to know that if you press that they people appear. He's like midwives appeared out of the floor like five of them like meerkats. He's like where did you come from? <laughs> anyway, our midwife comes running back in. She's like is everything okay? Is everything okay? And he was like yeah, it's just on that last contraction things were really different, like fluids coming out of her and I was like I'm pushing. And Anyway, longish story short, 20 minutes later, Poppy was born. So basically I went from five centimeters to fully dilated in God only knows how long, like basically immediately. And so the thing I say to everyone is I know it's so easy to put so much emphasis and meaning on whatever centimeters dilated you are. But for my body, for example, it means nothing because... I take a long time to do the first bit and then not a lot of time to do the second half. And so I literally only pushed with her for about 20 minutes. Like you know how like often the pushing contractions, they start to space out a bit more than like your other contractions are. And with her I found the pushing so satisfying because I felt a real, like you were getting shit done. Like sometimes the contractions themselves can just feel like they go on and on and on. Whereas the pushing, I was like, I can feel her coming down. Like I can feel myself doing something. This feels efficient. So anyway, 20 minutes later, she was born, our obstetrician nearly missed it because it happened so, so suddenly. So Nick calls himself a doula now because he was like, I picked when you were transitioning. Like I I know my (laughs) shit. Yeah, And so that happened. I had, I think a second degree tear with her, but it only took about 4 stitches or something like that and didn't have any complications post birth with her then fast forward 2 years later when i gave birth to Goldie round so two. round 2 so her pregnancy was hard because i had you know i conceived her when Poppy was only 14 months old so i basically had two babies. And I was sick again, but definitely not as sick as the first or the third. I was probably vomiting most days till about 16 weeks rather than beyond 30 with the other two. And I actually made the decision with her to get induced at 39 weeks because my obstetrician was going away. And I just felt really confident. I just wanted to know that he was there. I had had such a positive induction the first time that I had no fear going in for another induction. And I really liked the idea of being able to organize for my mum to be there to look after Poppy because she was still so young, like she was not quite two when Goldie was born. So basically a similar thing happened. I went in, I got the prostin gel at 4 p.m. I then got Prostin gel again at 10 p.m. Similarly to Poppy, when I went in, like my cervix was showing no signs that it was a About to go into labor again. I got a a few more niggles overnight with Goldie. I kind of woke up around 2am thinking that things had started, but they never really progressed to anything more than period pain. And then I was able to go back to bed and sleep through them. And then in the morning I got up at 7am, they broke my waters again. And that kind of got things Mm. going for me. So they said, why don't we hold off giving you the drip, get up, have a walk around I went to like the emergency stairs (laughs) and was walking up and down the stairs trying to get things you know going even more passing all these like work people in their like suits and stuff going to, going off to their offices. And I was like, Hey, like trying to go into labor. And we had this running joke that one of the head midwives there kept reminding us that there was a sausage sizzle on at midday. And like Nick and I walked past the desk quite a number of times, like me trying to get labor going. And Nick's like, wow, these midwives must see birth so often that they're like completely desensitized to the fact that like As if we're going to make it to the sausage sizzle. My wife's in labor, like she'll clearly still be in labor at midday. So that all happened at seven. And then we left it a little bit longer. And I think with her, oh God, don't hold me to the times. But anyway, things really died off and the contractions stopped. And I was just like, let's just start the drip. (laughs) Let's just start the drip, get things going. And so I went back into the room, got put on the drip. Um, For those that don't know, the one downside of being on the drip or the one downside that I see for me is you have to be on continuous monitoring and the drip is obviously like on an IV pole. So it can feel really immobilising and that's, I would say, for me, one of the downsides of being induced is it is a bit more difficult to stay active during birth, but I feel like I've always managed to. And so they started the drip and similarly with her, literally when they started the drip, I had the sensation to push basically straight away. And I remember thinking because they checked me and they were like, no, like you're not fully dilated. And I remember thinking, oh, is this what a posterior birth feels like? Because it felt really – just different. But I think it was actually that I was dilating so fast. And similarly, the same thing happened that I think my obstetrician actually checked me and I was five or six centimeters. And so he was like, okay, well, I'm going back to theater which is like the operating theaters in the same building so he was super nearby and he literally got to the lift and her head was on show mm. and this so the entire labor from the time the sinto infusion started to her being born was about an hour and a half wow and she was born obviously it was really important for me to not just like push 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 because the perineum hadn't had time to stretch, like she literally went from
1: you know me being
0: five centimeters dilated to her basically out so breathing through the pushing can be really difficult because obviously every fiber in your body is telling you push 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 and you're trying to just like breathe and allow time for it to open up but anyway yeah she was born before the sausage sizzle started and that midwife came in for the actual birth and Nick turned to her and was like I think we're gonna make the sausage sizzle (laughs) we didn't end up having a sausage I'm gonna be honest but yeah she was born and I actually did Need any stitches with her, despite her being a really, really fast birth. Three years later, <laughs> we will fast forward to now, twenty twenty three. And obviously, now you can slow down. You were like, "I'm going to really, <laughs> really quickly say all that, so okay, it fits in." I will slow down. Yeah, because I don't. But, I knew all that, so I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." yeah but yeah, like now I yeah. can see you glazing over. Yeah. Okay, so this pregnancy, obviously, you guys have heard. All about it, the highs, the lows, mainly the lows. I've had a bit of a rough trot physically and mentally throughout this pregnancy. Oh, I actually will say that with Goldie's birth, we had a midwife called Claire, and she was like, I call her like my guardian angel. Like, she was one of the most incredible people I've come across in my life. Just the space she created for Nick and I was so, so amazing. Anyway, I had jokingly spoken to her throughout this pregnancy being like, how do I make sure, you know, you can be my midwife? And like in a private hospital, you can't really do that because they're rostered on. She wasn't my private midwife. Like you have a private obstetrician and kind of whoever's there is there. And towards the end, she started saying to me, if you let me know when you're in labor, if it can work, I will try and be there. And she's like, don't worry if you message me and I'm like in the middle of something and I can't get there, I'll be completely honest and tell you, like, don't feel bad. Message me at any time of the day or night and I will try my hardest. And I was like, okay. I was like, oh my gosh, I wanted to be there so badly. Like hopefully it just overlaps with her roster and that kind of thing. So anyway, obviously this whole pregnancy, everybody has told me after having a one and a half hour birth with Goldie, like, oh, don't accidentally have her at home. Like, oh, make sure you have towels at home just in case, make sure you've got towels in the back of the car. And, you know, Nick and I had spoken about, and we'd spoken with our obstetrician, we're like, okay, what amount of contractions per 10 minutes or whatever do I get to before I call the hospital? Like, what do I class as early layback? How do you want me to come in? And he was kind of like, if you're getting contractions, good going contractions once every 10 to 15 minutes, I want you to come in because you're really like at risk of a side of the road delivery. (laughs) And so that's kind of what I'd been thinking the whole time. And it didn't go that way and it wasn't until after I had her that everyone all of a sudden was like, oh, third births are notoriously unpredictable. I'm like, why did no one (laughs) tell me this beforehand? So if you're pregnant with your third, obviously if you've had positive births before. I want you to go into it thinking you're going to have another positive birth, but don't get hung up on this whole, like, I'm going to have my baby in 20 minutes thing, because that was not the case for me. And the expectations can really set you up for failure, or not for failure, but to feel a bit defeated during it, because you feel a bit like, what am I doing? Like my body knows how to do this quickly. Why is it not happening? Anyway, so I'd been really honest throughout this pregnancy that I really wanted to go into spontaneous labour. And it was something that, you know, Nick and I have made the decision that this is our last child. As a family, we cannot do pregnancy again. It was a really tough time on every member of our family. So I was like, I would love to know what going into spontaneous labor feels like because everyone says it feels so different to an induction. I want to, you know, have that thing in the middle of the night at home where your (laughs) contractions start and you turn over to your partner and you say, baby, grab your pillow. I think we need to go to hospital. And it sounds beautiful, but I don't think it's my story. I had, that wasn't uh, my story either. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know whose story it is, yeah. but I had a week, a week and a half of literally every evening thinking I was going into labour. I had messaged Claire, this midwife, a couple of times being like, this is what's happening. She said back, she's like, look, it sounds like early labour, but, you know, maybe just try and get some rest and then you'll know, like, if you can sleep through it. She's like, you're not going to sleep through your labour. Yeah. Don't worry. And that was a real mental hurt. For me, this probably started at about 39 weeks and went until I was like maybe 40 plus a couple of days. Mm. And it was just that on top of, you know, everyone when you're around your due date, I know they mean well, but. It kind of started that people started being like, oh my God, you're still pregnant. Oh my God, can't you just get this child out of you already? Da 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 da. I had quite a lot of family up here waiting for me to go into labor just so that there was people here to look Mm. after the girls. And I just felt like a lot of pressure, not because anyone was necessarily putting pressure on me. I feel like I put that pressure on myself, but I was kind of like, I'm wasting everyone's time. Like they need to get back to their life, all this thing. And it had just been a really long pregnancy. And I was just really ready to meet her and then once I hit you know a couple of days after 40 weeks like all these I guess they were Braxton Hicks but they felt like more than that they just stopped like I wasn't having them anymore and at the 39 week and the 40 week appointment that I had with my obstetrician like he couldn't even do a stretch and sweep on me like that's how not ready my cervix was he couldn't even get in anywhere to sweep because I was like one centimeter if that and still like how did you feel defeated when you just so defeated because especially when I went in for my 40 week appointment because I had been having a week of you know every evening being like like one evening to the point that I was like Nick I need you to get up because he was like packing a couple of pairs of shorts and some jocks to go, like maybe a t-shirt too, to be respectful of everyone else in the in the ward. But yeah, but he toks. was just kind of like, I can chuck them in if and when things get started. But I was like, No, I think we're on here. Like, I just for my peace of mind, I need you to get up and just get that bag together now. Then we put our bags in the car. Cause I was just like, I want to know they're in the car. Like everything was so ready to go. And then to go through all of that, and then to get to 40 weeks, go in and be checked and to be told, I can't even do a stretch and sweep on you was really, really deflating. So at that appointment, My obstetrician and I had a conversation. He's like, what do you want from here? And he was really great. Like he did not push me into anything. He was just happy to let things go or for me to decide what I wanted to do and I was at the point at 40 weeks where I was like I need to know where the end point is even if things happen before that so I said look how about we book in an induction for the night that I flip over to 41 weeks I was like I've always said that I'm kind of like happy to go to 41 weeks for some people that may just be like an arbitrary pick a number out of anywhere type thing but for me that was what I was comfortable with I was like if I get to 41 weeks I'll feel like I've really given this a red hot crack to go so that happened I was really relieved to be booked in and just to know that like that may not be the day that she comes but at least mm. I know at the latest she will be born then at about 44, and 4 I'm pretty sure it was my entire being <laughs> changed It was a Sunday and we went to the beach that day and I was, all I can describe it as is like the most severe PMS I've ever had. Like if someone looked at me in my brain, I was like, you are so fucking annoying. Like if someone breathed, if the girl's, just were themselves. I was just like, you are all so irritating. Like I just was so over everyone. I also, all of a sudden was starting to really second guess myself in terms of what I felt was a tightening versus what I felt was her movements. And all of a sudden I just felt this incredible, like, and I hope this doesn't upset anyone who, you know, has had issues with reduced fetal movements or anything like that. But I just felt this overwhelming responsibility that I was the only one who could feel her movements. And I was the only one who could know if there was something that had changed. I can't even describe it. It was like, I had this just impending sense of something's not right. And Mm. I kind of, for a day, stupidly ignored it because I was just like, if I go in, like, I'll probably get induced, like da-da-da, which is just silly. Like I should have just listened to that feeling more, but I just felt so ready for her to be on the outside so that other people could not be responsible for her because I feel like she's so much my responsibility now, even that she's out. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just like to look at her and know that she was safe. It was just this real feeling. Anyway, so that day I was in a mood all day. I kind of shaked it in the afternoon, but like went to bed that night and still nothing was happening. I woke up the next morning. We recorded, I think, the final oh, yes, snippet of our third trimester diaries. And you tell me because you commented oh, on how gosh. much I was not myself. So
1: obviously, your pregnancy, you were, you know, up and down, yeah. you were vomiting all the time and it was tough. But I, I could put on a fake face. I had never seen you in my life of knowing you. This fucking miserable. So we were zooming each other and the camera came on and you you were slumped in the chair. You were <laughs> I think you were frowning at me and I was like, "Hey." And you were like, "Yep." Yeah. And I was like, "Are you okay?" And you're like, no, nah, I'm really just I'm I'm really done." And you were so like really depressed, really down. And I was thinking... Maybe it's
0: because you know sometimes when you have that for well, some people mood, are like oh you're irritable that's good you're about to go into labour but I've like, been i been doing that for a week and a half where I was like oh I did a big shit I must be about to go into labour oh I vomited I must be going into labour oh I feel a little bit horny I must be going to labour yes. oh I feel down and in the dumps I must be going to labour and none of them meant that I would go but into
1: I said labor. to you I said why don't you just go and call like go and get checked or just go and see. Get the show on the road, and you were like, No, 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 because it's, I've only got to wait a few days. Yeah. And then a few hours later, I get a, a call, and you're like, So I'm in hospital, and your whole persona changed. Yeah. You're, you are excited, yeah. you're uplifted. It's like you just
0: wanted to yeah. have your baby. So Jade was like, Oh, let's just record this extra little thing. And I was like, Jade, I cannot. Like, I was like, I cannot even pretend. I cannot do had anything else. I have nothing left to give. And anyway, afterwards, after we recorded, it was about midday. I went downstairs and Nick, I think, was just wrapping up cooking a recipe. The older girls were at daycare. And I said to Nick, I was like, I don't feel right. I was like, I don't feel like she has been moving normally this morning. I think I just need to go into hospital mm. and get checked and the drive there was like silent cuz i was sitting there just you know trying to be like okay no that was a movement yeah. that was definitely a movement you know it definitely she definitely wasn't up to like normal movements in the car but it was just this car ride that was not yeah
1: and can i ask cuz i've only gotten to 38 weeks with all three girls yeah does the baby slow down in movement
0: when you get to like 40, 41 weeks? I don't know. Like, I feel like I've heard they have, but I also don't want to say that because I don't want anyone yeah. to ever ignore no. their being, like, you know, just I, go I, with your Yeah, gut. I, I was just like, I don't want to think that this is because she's like running out of yeah. room or whatever because I just want to, like, this doesn't feel right to me. Anyway, so we went into hospital and literally the minute they put the monitor on, she is like having a party. Like, I mean, full blown kicking around, moving How did that around. Feel? such a relief and they were like don't worry it happens every time i mean and i've seen it when i used to work as a doctor like there would be parents who would bring their kids into ed and they'd be like he hasn't been walking on his leg for two days and they would literally run into the (laughs) ed department or you know they've had a fever for this long and they come in and they're in the best mood ever like it happens i totally get it and so I was lying there, and one of them made a joke about, like, oh, well, you're here. Do you want to just get induced anyway? And she was fully joking. She was like, you know, man, I'll see you back on Wednesday. And then she walked out of the room, and Nick and I got chatting. And Nick's like, what do you want to do? He's like, because you're not well. Like, you've really changed. And he's like, to be honest, after that car ride and after you coming downstairs and saying things aren't normal he's like I'm not going to be comfortable going home Mm. until this baby's born like he's like he's like if you don't want to have her tonight or whatever he's like we can go home and that's fine we can come back on Wednesday night or whatever it was but he's like I'm not going to be comfortable until she's out either And then we found out that Claire, my guardian angel midwife, was on a night shift that night. We found (laughs) out that the ward was really, really quiet, (laughs) which was (laughs) like a tick. My mum was having to go back to Melbourne for the Wednesday, Thursday night, but she was there now. Like it just all felt really right. And as soon as that was even an option in my mind, as you say, like the curtain just came up. I felt relieved and excited again and trusting. And I was just like, I kind of said to myself, I mean, and I'm never going to experience it and that's fine. But I said to myself, I feel like I was just putting so much on this like wanting to experience spontaneous labour and it's like I've had two great inductions. Mm. Why do I need that? Like why do I want to go home and literally be miserable, which is what I'd been for. I mean I'd been miserable for 48 hours but I'd been not great for 10 days. I was like why am I doing this to myself? So anyway, we made the decision. Mum brought the girls up in the afternoon after daycare. So I got to see them and like tell them what was happening. They were super excited. I was like, you know, either tonight or tomorrow, Mum's going to have the baby. You can come in tomorrow afternoon. Da 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 da. They were so excited. It was so nice to see them because I was like not feeling in the right state of mind. I was like, I just need mm. to see them before I go through this experience. And yeah, and so then they put the prostin in at four o'clock and I actually lay down and have it, had a nap because I was like, you know, if things pick up, I want to be rested and I hadn't really slept well for days. So I had a big nap. And then at 10 o'clock, they did the prostin again, the gel on my cervix and basically straight away that got contractions started. Ooh. So I guess now it starts. (laughs) Now I've got to think about what actually happened. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, they started and over the next kind of few hours, I was up. We were still in our postnatal room, like we weren't in the birth suite and they got as close together as like every four minutes. Sometimes they would spread out to a bit more, like every six, every seven, every eight minutes. But they were really, really bearable. And as soon as they started, I put the tens machine on, which we've spoken about and a bit about it? before. It was so good, and I had never used one before. Can you explain? And so basically, is? what it is is between contractions, there's these kind of what feel like electrical pads that you put on your back four of them one on top of the other on each side so you've got like two on your left and two on your right in kind of like the small of your back and you have a like a remote that you hold onto but you can hang it around your neck on a lanyard and basically between contractions it does like quite a soft like Buzz into your back. And then when you're having a contraction, you basically press the burst button and it gives you stronger, longer it's not a shock. I don't like, and and it it, it, doesn't hurt. It's uncomfortable, but nowhere near as uncomfortable as your contraction, but it distracts you from your contraction. Right. And part of it is, I think that as the contraction starts, it gives you something to do in terms of you press the button and it is uncomfortable. Like, I feel like if you just were not in labor at all and put it on and put it on full ball, It would be really uncomfortable. It's basically to trick your pain pathways and it being like, I'm going to distract you from the contractions by giving you like a distraction in your back. But it was so good. I I used it the entire labor. I stopped using it when I was pushing because I needed to concentrate on the pushing and the pushing was more intense than anything that a tens could distract you from but all the times that I was having contractions I used it and I loved it but because I kind of had the remote in my hand or around my neck I completely forgot to use the birthing comb so I did say I was going to come back with a review about them but I actually never ended up using them sorry and I will not be giving birth again to tell you so we can ask someone else but yeah so they started but they were really really manageable like I was like oh is this kind of what natural? contractions feel like like I'm definitely progressing but this is so bearable and this went on for like a number of hours after about midnight I'm pretty sure it was I made the decision to go into the birth suite because things sort of started to ramp up and they were every four or so minutes and sometimes I would like feel the need to push and I was like oh my god we're about to have this baby and that was like the easiest labour ever and then around. they started to separate like they started to not feel as intense they were like every eight or ten minutes and my midwife ended up saying to me why don't I just check you I won't tell you where you're at but if we haven't progressed that much maybe it's time to just like lie in the bed and try and get some rest because I'd just been like so active the whole time trying to keep things going like I was bouncing I was boinging I was (laughs) all (laughs) over the the place and she's like, how about we just check because if you haven't progressed that much, even if you don't go to sleep, she's like, I feel like you should just lie down for a little while and just like if you happen to fall asleep, then obviously things aren't progressing that quickly, da-da-da-da. And she checked me and she kind of looked at me and she's like, I think you should have a rest. And I was like, okay, yep, okay, I'll have a rest. And So, so I laid this? this? is like 3.30 in the morning-ish. Oh, and you've and so I'd going- been going since like 10 basically. So I lay down and I was still using the tens as I was lying down. And Nick went back to our like room because I just stayed in the birth suite and was like, I'm just going to rest here. And he's like, okay, I'll go back into the room and like have a nap. And then like the midwife can easily come get me if things pick back up again. And I was like, yep, sweet. That works. Everyone's having a rest. So I lay down and I was still using the tens through the contractions as I was lying there, but I was feeling like I was kind of rejuvenating a bit. And then at about 4 a.m., I felt during one of these contractions this like pop and I was like, oh, God, what was that? Like this like pop in my tummy and I was like, did something just become detached? Like what was that? But there was no pain or anything. And then just after the contraction I like rolled over and just this like, all these waters gushed out of me and I was like oh my god my waters broke on their own like what the hell and yeah there was just like waters everywhere and so I like called my midwife back in and I was like oh I think my waters broke and she's like yeah they definitely did and they the contractions kind of picked up from there again and became a bit more intense a bit closer together so I was like we are." on we are on like donkey kong the adrenaline comes back yeah i started being active again and one of the funniest things was my midwife went into the postnatal room to get nick and he was in such a weird sleep so she knocked on the door and she's like he had no idea where he was no idea where he was and she goes sophie's waters have broken and he was like "Parted," and she's like Her membranes have ruptured. Like she she tried all these different ways to say (laughs) her waters are broken and he's like, pardon? And she said he was looking at him like, Freaking zombie apocalypse! Like no idea where he was, who she was, what he was meant to be doing, and he said so she he just had she, she just walked out of the room. She was like, <laughs> "I need to get back to her." Like I'm, you're on your own. And he said he just got this overwhelming feeling where he goes, "I have this feeling I'm meant to be somewhere." <laughs> <laughs> so he got up out of the bed and was like, "Got his bearings," and was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is where I am." Because he must have been, because he'd only been asleep for half yeah, an hour. So he he must have been, really been in some weird cynical. state of sleep. Anyway, so he came in and things kind of increased from there till about seven a.m. And then at about seven a.m., there was like a changeover of staff. The like Not sun was up. Did well, she, she was meant to leave at seven, and she had a she had an appointment that she was meant to get to like quite early in the morning. So she was like had to leave right on the time of her shift finishing. And obviously I wasn't going to be a bitch and be like, you have to stay. But in my mind, I knew mentally that I needed her to stay. Like I was, I felt like we were getting towards the end and I was like, I knew that she understood that my body went from like nothing to something really, really quickly. And I needed someone there. And look, the midwife that came on probably was just as able to mm. do that, but I was really attached and I really felt like she understood how my body gave birth way more than I did. And I was like, I need someone there who's going to remind me that if they do an examination and it's not what I want to hear, that they're going to be able to remind me and be like, Sophie, with you, the number does yeah. not matter or like this is exactly what you did last time and, you know, not to get in my head because by this point I was really starting to get in my head. Like I was like, Goldie was born in an hour and a half. Mm. How have I been going for, you know, nine hours at this stage and feeling defeated because, Like throughout this I would have stages of like feeling like I needed to push but then nothing would happen and there were so many times that I like got down onto my knees on the floor and they would like put a mirror under me with like a torch and I would like feel the need to push but I definitely like wasn't there yet. And so it was really this mental roller coaster Mm. where it had just been going on for so long but the contractions weren't, it was like they weren't intense enough or close enough together to like properly get things going. They like just weren't quite there and so at about 7 o'clock she ducked out and then she came back in and she's like, I've moved my appointment, I'm staying. And I was like every fibre in my body was just like so relieved and I was just in this mindset that, you know, I can do this, we're going to do this together, we've got this. But, yeah, at 7 o'clock things really started to to I don't know, like space out again. It's like this this changeover of stuff The light was up. There was more noise around. It just felt like everything had changed. Like I I, I had this mindset that I was going to be giving birth overnight in the dark, and then all of a sudden it's daylight, and like the bl- blinds were down, and we were creating a nice space. But it just felt like everything had changed, and obviously my body felt that because things really really started to space out. So around that time. I got checked again and I was two centimeters dilated. Far out. Yeah. So I'd been going for like, I guess, 10 or so hours at this stage all night. I hadn't slept. I had been really active. The thing the thing that I found the hardest was not, like I could keep going with contractions. The contractions hadn't been that intense. I was actually really enjoying the labor, but it was my legs. Like I had been squatting and standing and kneeling and I had barely been on my back the entire time. And my legs were just like, had felt like they'd run a marathon. And I was like, and I'm two centimeters oh, babe, dilated. And they were never, it's not even like I could really, you know how sometimes they say, when you get in the bath it can slow things down like things never got close enough together that I felt comfortable getting in the bath do you know what I mean because I was worried that if I got in the bath this exact thing that had happened would happen (laughs) and so that happened and I obviously had so much trust in this midwife and she turned to me and she said Soph I think it's time that we call your obstetrician and we just get the infusion started because she's like they're just not getting there. What's and the infusion? Like the induction drip.
1: Okay, so what's the difference between the stuff they're putting in you at the start? So they put a gel
0: on your cervix. Yep. Like that's just like a topical thing okay. on your cervix, whereas when they start the drip, it's like IV, like it's going into your veins, it's going all around your body, oh. whereas the gel is just to like work at the cervix. So did you
1: have the drip for... Yeah, for
0: the other two. Okay, yeah. so you did have the yeah, drip yeah, yeah. For the other two. Yeah, and both those times it was like as soon as the drip started that really, like I respond really quickly to the drip. But I was kind of like if I don't do the drip, this is as close to like natural labour as I will have experienced because the gel is not like, you know, going throughout my whole body really? and my waters broke on their own. So like I was kind of like I've been dealing with these contractions so well because I'm basically in natural labour but really – the gel kind of – apparently it's called like prostin labour. Like it can put you into this labour but it's not strong enough to like really line. get you over the line.
1: So even though we do a podcast and we talk about <laughs> pregnancy and birth a lot mm. and we give unsolicited advice about how we should feel and how to lower our expectations – it was really out of your control. You, like throughout this whole conversation, there was something in you that had this desire to have a, in quotations, natural birth. Kind
0: of. I feel like I did let go of a lot of it when I made the decision to stay in hospital and get induced. I do feel, and when she recommended me, you know, starting the Sintocin drip at, 8am or whenever it was I was like yes let's do it because I don't know how much longer and I knew this as soon as that drip had started the contractions were going to change like they were going to get closer together they were going to get more bitey stronger they were going to be the contractions that I was used to and so I was like if I let myself get much more exhausted than this I don't know how I'm going to deal with that. So, yeah, at about, I think at around 8.30, the drip started. My obstetrician came up and saw me and checked on me and I I think he checked me. It's a bit of a blur by this stage because... It's a bit of a blur. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he checked me and he was like, yeah, she's around two centimetres. But they were they were all trying to be really encouraging and they were like, it's a really stretchy two centimetres and, you know, like with you two centimetres doesn't mean that much and blah, 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 blah. And so, yeah, basically as soon as the drip started, obviously then you're a lot less mobile. I was still kind of leaning over the bed and standing up and all that kind of thing, but you are now on an IV pole and you're having to have continuous monitoring as well. So another thing that went out the window was I was like, I really would love to have given birth in the water. But obviously now that was out the window and that was fine. I was like, I'm just ready to give birth. Mm. Whichever way that is, I am ready to give birth. So that started and literally as soon as it started, we were like game on one thing that was really different this time was i've had really quick pushing stages the other two times like 20 minutes for poppy i think 5 minutes if that for goldie like i think goldie was maybe two contractions worth, but that was me slowing them down. So I've always been like, I love pushing. As I said before, it's efficient. You can feel <laughs> progress. You can da 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 all these things. Well, now I understand why some people don't like pushing. And that's because this time, basically, as soon as the drip started, I felt the need to push. And I can't remember at what time, but I was checked again. And the reason I felt the need to push is that I was fully dilated, but I had a cervical lip, which is where just like you are fully dilated, but there's a tiny bit of the cervix that's just hanging on and the head is struggling to get past that. So I had nearly two hours of feeling the need to push, but nothing happening and so I was pushing and I was like why can't I feel that descent like why can't I feel that descent that I'm used to and I had to really fucking go deep like I was leaning over the bed just like so many affirmations like you know you're gonna meet your baby soon your body can do this you've done this before not long now and it was all because I was doing this pushing and it wasn't having the result that I was used to and you're giving it every fiber in your body and nothing is happening and they all could hear that I was like making all the right noises there's this like this lump that comes up in the Mm. base of your back. I think it's like the rhombus something or something. Don't hold me to that. And that was there, like everything was happening, but this lip was in the way. And my obstetrician came to check on me again because it was like really obvious that I was pushing and I don't know if the CTG was all fine or whatever, but he came in and saw me and he's like, yeah, there's still a lip there. So I'll go back and I'll come back in a sec. And you can literally see, the midwife and Nick turned to one another on the camera that was like set up, like the phone camera that was set up in the corner of the room and they both turned to one another and we're like, yeah, we've heard that before because every time he comes in and tries to leave, that's when I give birth. So oh. I almost need him to come in and then pretend he's going to leave and I may have given birth 12 hours before this. <laughs> if he'd just done that at 10 p.m., <laughs> I may have given birth then. So they both turned to one another and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah we've heard this. And anyway, I literally felt... The lip go. And this is not lip as in like your lips. No. This is like up at your surface. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt the lip go and her head was crowning. Like her head was there. And so they literally called him straight back in. I don't even think he would have got to the lifts. And they were very firm with me. They were like, you need to breathe because your perineum has had zero time to stretch. Like you just need to breathe. And I was like, okay, okay. And I'm breathing. And I did that for a couple of contractions. And then they were like, you can very gently, (laughs) if you can start to push now, which I did. And honestly, her head and body coming out were fine. It was like, I no it was burning, such, burning oh, of course fire. there was a burn. Yeah. Like it's not like a walk in the park, <laughs> but I think that it, it was just this relief. Yeah. Like I, this was the first time that I was like, this is actually never going to end. This is now just my life. Just <laughs> trying to push this thing out that didn't want to come out. It was just so different. It was just so, it was a birth that I was just not expecting and it's the first time i think i think because i was so exhausted it's the first time i've given birth and they've put the baby on me and i haven't immediately felt complete euphoria oh, yeah. like with goldie and poppy and it's it's all there now but with goldie and poppy it was immediate like if i could bottle up that sensation and feel it every day of my life for even 0.1 of a millisecond mm. i wish i could but I think I there was such an exhaustion and such a – I think I was in complete shock when she was born because it was just not how I saw it going. And then literally within the hour, I was overwhelmed and I was like, okay, it's, it's done. She's actually out of me. I never have to go through that again. Hallelujah. So – Yeah, it was, and it was all done. And anyway, I had to get two stitches. I had a small posterior graze and a small graze right next to my clitoris (gasps) that was like really bleeding. Like that one especially needed a stitch because even though it was really mild, I think it was like bleeding quite a lot. And I think I took everyone by surprise because the first thing I said, I turned to my obstetrician and I was like, will that still function normally (laughs) and he turned to me and he's like I can't believe you're even (laughs) thinking about that right now and Nick was like I'm so stoked you're already (laughs) thinking about that and I was like no 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 I'm just Thinking about the future, like if Nick gets a vasectomy, we're finally able to have carefree sex. I don't want my clitoris to be out of action. And he's like, no, don't worry, that will all work fine. And I was a bit like, oh, my gosh, that's going to be so painful after birth, and it wasn't. But anyway, as soon as they passed her up onto me, I was like, this kid (laughs) is huge. Like compared to me, I'm a small human. I'm 160 centimetres tall. Like I'm not very big. And they passed her up and I was like, how did she fit in me? She is the size of my torso. <laughs> and obviously I had at least an hour of skin to skin and that was all good. She did need a little bit of like an aggressive rub when she first came out because she was quite mucusy and mm. took a little bit to breathe and just needed a bit of stimulation to get that going and then she was fine and she was definitely mucusy for kind of the first 24 hours you could tell she had some fluid but, yeah, after an hour or so they weighed her and she was 4010 grams, so wow. just over four kilos. And Pearl, I, you little bopper. You little chonker. And the thing that was amazing is, you know, Poppy was exactly three kilos, Goldie was exactly three and a half kilos, and then Pearl was four kilos. So, like, an incremental increase yes. of 500 grams is a lot. Yes. So I said to Nick, if we weren't done already, there is no way you were impregnating me with a 4.5 <laughs> kilo baby like it's not gonna happen but yeah it was really funny because before I went into labor I was chatting to my midwife and another midwife and one of the other midwives was telling me how much she hated being pregnant as well and I was like oh god I hate pregnancy and I said to her but I love giving birth and she said me too she's like I've always said I would rather give birth Mm. multiple times than be pregnant and I was like yeah I've always said I'd rather give birth once a month than be pregnant for nine months me too and my main midwife turned to me and she's like, you're both mad as if. Da, 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 da Anyway, as Pearl came out, I turned to my midwife and I was like, I don't want to give birth every oh. month anymore. She was like, I take it back. I take it all back. And she's like, yeah. But the thing that was nice about it, as much as it was really hard and it was really grueling, but I feel super lucky that there was no, like there was no complications. In the terms of birth, hmm. it was still very positive and my recovery has been amazing and I only had to have two stitches and the baby was fine and I was fine and everything like it was an uncomplicated kind of textbook birth but I was very happy to just hang up the birthing boots after that one I was like and I'm done done so it was 12 hours four kilo barb and yeah, and how were your? Because a lot of
1: people say it, it happened with me. The more <laughs> children you have, the afterbirth
0: pains are they get worse. How were they for you? I think it was good that I went into it expecting them to be worse because I was quite taken aback how much worse they were after my second compared to my first, and so I was quite glad that I had learnt that with consecutive births, they tend to get worse because I'd gone in with a heat pack. I asked them to like heat the heat pack up (laughs) for me. I took Panadol a bit more regularly. Like the other times I was like, I don't need Panadol and Nurofen because I didn't for my perineum or for anything else really, but I should have stayed on top of them a bit more for the actual afterbirth pains because you don't know when they're going to start feeding. So you have to kind of be proactive yeah. so that then when they're feeding that's taking effect but i would say they were similar to goldie but maybe that was because i was more prepared yeah the milk great coming advice in, though yeah if you're having you know your second or third yeah. or however many yeah definitely have your panadol or voltar and yeah. go. yeah and the milk coming in with my second and third bubs it has never been as overwhelming as it was with poppy my first like I could not believe that day that my milk came in with Poppy. I went from basically a large A cup to... Double D overnight. And that seemed to hit me on the same day that a bit of the baby blues hit with her. And I wasn't expecting that. And, you know, it's your first child. I was day three. We had all these visitors because I was like, oh, well, we're not going to want visitors the first two days. So why don't we get them to come on the third day, not realizing that that's when baby blues can start? That's when your milk comes in. And I remember just lying there in bed feeling so overwhelmed and teary. And I remember my mum saw my face and was like, might just ask everyone to leave and I was like Yeah, I think so. So this time the milk coming in wasn't too overwhelming. I've been amazed how quickly with the third, I mean, in my case, it might not be for everyone, but how quickly my milk has regulated. Like even when I'm due for a feed, I'm quite comfortable. I can definitely feel they're harder and I can feel which boob I'm due to like 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 feed off, but it's not that, yeah, that like, oh my God, wake up so you can feed. And I remember with with Poppy it was like they were these balloons that she couldn't latch mm. to because there was no give, like there was no – Ability for her to get on the nipple because the boobs were so hard that it was like, if I forced her on too much, she might fly across, like literally bounce off them and fly across the room. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm about to have a letdown because I'm talking, yeah, you're talking about, about, about boobs. it. Whereas this time, you know, I think it's a combination of me being more confident with breastfeeding, Pearl being bigger, Pearl being more cooked, you know, like she was <laughs> basically cooked. 41 weeks. Like she's really got the hang of feeding much more quickly. And yeah, the the weeing and the pooing wasn't too wasn't no too bad. What about on your clip? Well, well, no, it was fine. It must have just diverted so you around didn't need the my spray stitch. bottle of water no. you were peeing. No, and I was really scared for my first poo because yeah. all th- <laughs> this is way TMI. Yes. But hey, we're here all throughout my labour. I pooed so much, but like on the toilet. Like I just kept going to the toilet and pooing and pooing and pooing and I had the runs for most of the labour. Like it was really like this poo wanted to make way and get out of me. And so I was certain that when I was pushing, because I'd been pooing so much, I was like, I probably pooed all over that bed and they were just so fast and snuck it away and I never smelt it and I never saw it because they're such efficient swipers so about three days after I'd given birth my midwife was back on like an evening shift and she came in to check on me and I was like hey I haven't pooed yet like do you think I should take something because I'm scared that it's going to be hard and then it's going to be really difficult for me to poo out and she's like you have no reason to be scared and I was like what do you mean and she's like I saw that you were definitely pushing into your bum when you were giving birth. She's like, I saw your whole asshole trying to push and nothing came out. She's like, you had cleared, <laughs> you had cleared every inch of your bowel during that labor, like into the toilet that was possible. Cause she's like, I promise you, if there, she's like, I promise you if there was anything left in there, I would have seen it when you were pushing because that was some intense, push it on the bum hole, and in turn, I my one thing post birth is I do have a hemorrhoid <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> because I think I really gave it that a push. hole a good push. But it's uh, apparently it's mild; it hasn't caused. I sent Nick into the pharmacy to get me some hemorrhoid cream. And he went in and he's like, oh, I'm here to get some hemorrhoid cream. And they're like, okay, you know, like, is it itchy or is it painful? And he's like, oh, it's for my wife. It's <laughs> for so my wife. She just gave birth. And then so he called me. He's like, oh, babe, is the hemorrhoid itchy or painful? And I was like, no, neither. I'm just like aware that I feel like I've got like a nipple coming out yeah, yeah. of my asshole. It's, not, it's <laughs> not painful or itchy. And he's like, okay, cool. I'll let her know. And then he's like, my wife said. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's not- I'm like, you're such a child. But, yeah, that's all healing and that. That's that's good. And you said that you vomited quite a bit while you were in labour. Yeah, I made sure that that just went to the very end. And now I've passed on the vomiting baton to my child who now has hyperemesis as a newborn. (laughs) (laughs) No, she likes to do one power spew a day. But, yeah, I... Anytime I tried to eat or drink anything, it just came back up during labor, like full exorcism style. I had really bad reflux during it as well. And like all I could taste was that acidy burning vomity throughout Mm. the whole labor and actually that was one of the things that was so good when they started the Sinto drip is they gave me some fluids as well because I'd basically not been able to keep like a couple of sips of water here and there but like I'd been very active for a solid like 10 hours by that point so as soon as they started the drip and I will say I don't even know if I said this back but so after the drip started she was born two hours later. So once that had started and was really like we were on, it was really fast. Like it was two hours.
1: And do you want to explain to people who have had hyperemesis or morning sickness,
0: how you felt as soon as you gave birth? I would love to explain this to every person that has ever felt nausea or vomiting in their pregnancy at all because you are reborn. I swear, especially this time I gave birth to Pearl and myself Mm. on the 31st of January. It was immediate. I would say as soon as the placenta was out of me because I think like, you know, that's responsible for the hormones. As soon as the placenta was out of me, I turned to my midwife and I said, can you please go make me a toasty and can you please pass me that bottle of water? And I no joke, I sculled that bottle of water. I I don't even think Nick knew the toasty ever existed because as soon as it was in my hand, it was in my stomach. Like I inhaled that thing and then asked for another one. It is the most liberating, incredible feeling to be able to Drink and eat without thinking about how that is gonna feel or taste coming back up. And it was, and that I'm still, you know, a month down the track, so grateful for that feeling. And I actually got teary last night because one of my friends messaged me and she'd written back to a story of mine and she's like, You look so incredible. Da-da-da-da. And then she texted me and and she's like, I've realized why I've said you know, you look incredible. And she's like, it's got nothing to do with bounce back. It's got nothing to do with actually the way you look, but she's like, you look like you again. Mm. And Mm. I was like, oh my God. Cause I, I feel like me again. And I, yeah, you know, so many people are like, oh, what's the jump from two to three? Like, and, and I think right now I'm just savoring the fact that I'm tolerant again and I actually Mm -hmm. have more energy than I ever had when I was pregnant and I'm happy and I'm, and of course it's tough. And some evenings I get anxious about the night ahead and I kick myself for not having napped that day, even though during the day I felt fine and then now we're in the evening and suddenly I'm dead tired and know that I'm about to be up to feed again and all those things. But to me, just none of it has anything on how I felt when I was pregnant mm. and actually my pelvic floor feels better after birthing a four kilo child than it did from literally the day I peed on the stick and found out I was pregnant like I was certain I was going to have a prolapse after this pregnancy because I really felt that mm, I had one great. and I'm still going to get checked up at six weeks with my physio but I can actually sneeze more confidently now than I ever could when I was pregnant. How's that? And it's just crazy. Like my pelvic floor feels so much lighter and stronger than it did even when I was early pregnant. So it's baffling. I'm just so happy. (laughs) I think
1: like- Every pregnancy and every situation is so different and you just, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what size baby. You don't know when it's going to happen, how it's going to happen. And I think that is the most exciting thing about, birthing a child because you just have
0: no idea and they say having a child you know you have to surrender but to me that surrendering comes well before you have the child but I also think people need to be careful in being like you, you know especially when people are post dates being like just surrender to it it is a mental game that I had never experienced before you know I'd had my other two babies at 38 and 39 weeks and I just Because to me, I was just like, oh, if you're a week over, it's just a week. Like it's just seven days. That is 10 years. Mm. It honestly feels like 10 years. It would feel like that. And, you know, everyone means well and they're checking in. And I just like, you know, if you have someone in your life who is post dates, just you can message them and say, no pressure to write back, just letting you know I'm thinking of you. And that is all you need to say Don't message being like, is bub here yet? Or like, come on. Or, you know, like, what are you doing holding that bub in? I can assure you that no one wants that baby out more than that person don't make it feel like they're letting you down because they haven't had their baby yet. And Mm. that's the point that I got to, that I was like, all these people are so excited to meet my baby and I'm not doing enough to get that baby out. And then I would second guess and I'd be like, so should I be resting or should I be doing this to try and get things going? Or like, you know, what am I doing wrong? Am I not bouncing on the Swiss ball enough at night while watching a show and relaxing? And, you know, you start to think like, what am I doing? to hold this baby in when in reality like no one wants this baby out more than you do and I think I underestimated what a mental game Mm. that was.
1: Mm. Well thank you so much for sharing that that was incredible. I hope
0: that's actually what happened I might have just made the whole thing. Let's just go with it. But no very happy to hang up the birthing boots but in saying that Nick did send me a screenshot the other day of him inquiring about getting a vasectomy and the whole thing sent me into a spiral and I was like, I'm not ready yet. And he's like, what are you talking about? We said we were going to do this and we are going to do this, but I was just like, I just need her to be a little bit older. I have no desire to jump your bones right now anyway. (laughs) So I think abstinence is the safest form (laughs) of contraception anyway. We will do it. I still feel done. It's a beautiful, beautiful feeling to feel done. Mm. Content, yeah really 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 content so yeah and fuck it's full (laughs) fucking hell so full love you guys thanks for your enthusiasm about me telling this story and yeah bye-bye
1: thanks for listening to this episode of beyond the bump if you enjoyed it please subscribe and give us a review if you didn't good on you